Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing what I, what I believe God's given me to bring this morning. And there's a response that I believe God will be really helpful for all of us um, at the end of this word. And, and we'll get to that point a bit later on. But I'm going to continue this morning in picking up our theme on John's letters to the church and this whole kind of revelation, if you like, of the apostolic heart towards the church. Isn't it wonderful that God has given the church apostles, gifts of Christ, to see the church well-founded, well-built, well-established, growing in the way that is in line with God's heavenly vision for how the church is to be built. It's really a fantastic gift of Christ to the church. And John was one such gift. And we're so grateful today to have other men who are also gifts of Christ to see the church come into all that God has for it as Christ builds his church and reveals his glory to the world. And um, three weeks ago, Chris Alton, we had a a Chris and Ellie Alton back-to-back a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So Chris shared on the 22nd, Ellie shared on the 29th, and Ellie did a brilliant job of picking up the theme of love and, and unpacking some of those things for us and um, did a great job of doing that. And the week before that, Chris sort of set the scene for these letters. He set the context, and then he sort of, if you like, painted these three themes that are running all the way through John's letters. It's a very unstructured uh, few letters. It's an unstructured few books. It's quite difficult to kind of put it in boxes. But there are three threads, if you like, that run through all of the letters, and that is the life of God, the light of God, and the love of God. The light, the, the life, the light, and the love of God. And um, he did a wonderful job of, of picking up all of those three aspects. And Chris talked about the life of God being the Zoe life. Does anybody remember that? Described it as divine life. And that without God, we only know bios, physical, natural life, and psyche, kind of an emotional and a, and a mind life. But there's no real spiritual, divine, dynamic life of God. And there wasn't any in the world. It was lacking from the fall until what? Until when? Until Jesus came. And John starts off and he says, and when he came, we saw him and we touched him and we experienced him. And, and all of a sudden, the divine life of God came into the world through a man for the first time since it had been lost in Adam. Life of God came, the Zoe, divine life of God, came through Christ so that we too could receive that life when we put our faith and our trust in him. Isn't that wonderful? If you're born again this morning, you have Zoe life in you. Oh, I'm chuffed about that. Zoe life, the life of God, divine life, the spirit of God dwells within each one of us. As I say that, I can feel the Holy Spirit within me going, oh, yes, I'm there, I'm in you, and I'm in them. I'm here this morning, the divine life of God. And then he talked about the light of God, and he described this light, God being the source of light, and light representing holiness and truth, and how God is totally pure and totally holy and totally consistent, never changes, and how because of that, he upholds the universe. Everything is run perfectly because of his consistency, because of the light that flows from him. And that this light is diffusive and it brings light into the darkness. So that no longer do we need to stumble around in darkness wondering where to go, but God's light shines in, the truth of God breaks in, and all of a sudden we see things as they really are. 
begin to see who he is. This divine spiritual God who all of a sudden begins to reveal himself to me and you through the light that comes, the truth of God breaks in, begins to show us who we are, who we really are, not who we think we are, not who we feel we are, but the truth of who we are. And we begin to see the truth of who others are as well. And the truth of this world and what's going on in this world where God has placed us to bring about his purposes, extend his kingdom, and bring about the restoration of all things so that Jesus Christ can return in glory. You know, just those things. The life of God, the light of God, and then the love of God. And I I really appreciated the way that Chris helped us to understand and, and the way that Ellie built on that as well, that God's love isn't just our love multiplied by 15 or, you know, or squared or cubed. It's not a greater percentage of our love. It's God's own love. God is the source of love. So when we read in the, in the Gospel of John and we read in the letters of John, John gives us three God is lines. John 4, 24, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and Jesus says this to the woman at the well, God is spirit. He's saying God is a heavenly spiritual being. He reveals himself as such. He's, God is, is, is in essence spirit. And therefore he can't be contained. He's everywhere. He permeates everything. And his, this spiritual dynamic and reality is eternal and therefore superior to everything else. God is spirit. And then in 1 John 1 verse 5, John says God is light. He is the source of light. He's the source of revelation. He's the source of truth. He's the source of holiness and purity and perfection. He's the source of those things. God is spirit. God is Zoe life. God is light, the truth. And God is love. The source of love, this agape love, this perfect, unconditional, untainted, untarnished, unselfish, eternal love that was known in the Godhead for eternity. This love that was expressed between the Father and the Son and the Spirit before God even spoke the words, let there be light. This love existed. It's an eternal love. It's a heavenly love. It's a divine love. And it's a love that God wants us to not only experience, but also to express. How? By Him living in us. All these amazing subjects, all these incredible themes. This is the Christian life. This is what we're born for. And I want to pick up this this morning, this whole thing of the life that God is, is calling us to live, this Zoe life, this divine life that he wants us to live, is expressed by truth, by light, and by love. And God wants us to know a fullness of truth and of love in our lives, in the way that we relate to God, in the way that we relate to the world around us, and in the way that we relate to one another as Christian brothers and sisters. You know, Chris talked about how the, the context for John's letters is written into a, into a time where um, a heresy was being taught and preached, uh, a philosophy and a teaching that denied the deity of Christ or denied the humanity of Christ, that Gnosticism had crept into the teachings in the church, and Gnosticism, to kind of boil down, is essentially all things physical are bad and all things spiritual are good, Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been physically man because that's inherently bad. He must have come just as a spirit. But actually, we know that Jesus was fully man, fully flesh, God made flesh, and he was fully divine, fully God. 
And the truth of, the, of that incredible mystery is the only means by which we can be saved. If Jesus wasn't fully man, then there's no example for us to follow now as those who are human. And if Jesus was only fully God, then essentially there, there was never a proper sacrifice made. You know, God, only God could bring about this, this restoration of relationship. And some teachings even taught that Jesus was a man, physical man born, and that at the age of 30, when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when the Christ came upon him, the spiritual aspect, and that Jesus Christ ministered for three years, but on the cross, the Christ left him, and a man died on the cross for our sins. And it's abhorrent, because God took upon himself our sins so that we could be saved. He didn't provide a scapegoat, a, 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 an unlucky guy who happened to be called Jesus and all of a sudden he kind of possessed him and then disappeared when things got at its worst. No, God himself carried our sins through the cross. God himself in, in, in the person and son, Jesus Christ, was buried and rose again and ascended back to heaven. And I want to say this morning, if you we had, a, we had a funeral here for a fantastic lady, Audrey Coitsey, the lady who's been part of this church for the last 17 years. And her story was when she was in her 20s, she knew about Jesus, but she didn't know him yet. She said nobody had introduced her to him. I want to say today, if you're here and you only know about Jesus, today I want to give you this invitation. You can really know him today. Don't leave this room, don't leave this building without coming to know Jesus by asking Jesus to come and live in you, by giving your life to him, by making him number one in your life, I will, I'm telling you now, it will be the best thing you could ever do, best decision you could ever make. Please don't leave. Speak to me at the end. If you've not yet made that decision, I want to pray with you so that you can invite and ask Jesus to become your king, your Lord, your savior. Just gonna put that out there. So what I would like to do is, is focus on the end of, of John's first uh, letter, and then pick up 2 John and 3 John, and just pull out some things about love and truth, these two uh, themes that I think will be really help for us, helpful for us to consider. So the first slide will go up. This is from the J.B. Phillips version. So this is the end of, of um, 1 John. So it's 1 John 5, 19 to 21. It says this, we know, uh, sorry, we, we know that we ourselves are children of God. Do you know that you're a child of God this morning? Please don't bat that off as a, that's nice. You and I, we're, we are children of God. Amen. We're his. He's our father. And we also know that the world around us is under the power of the evil one. We know, that, too, that the son of God has come. And he has given us understanding to know the one who is true. We know that our life is in the true one. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the real God, and this is eternal life. But be on your guard, my dear children, against every false idol. Just want us to pause on, on that for a moment. You know, John is writing, and he's reminding them of who they are, and he's also reminding them of where they live, and which influence uh, this world is under. This world is under the influence of the evil one talks about the prince of the power of the air who, who has an, an effect on what happens in the earth and in the world. And so rulers and authorities and cultures and regimes are under the influence of the evil one. We surrendered our right to rule in the earth under Adam's sin and handed it over to the enemy to be able to rule. But God is bringing that rule back to himself through his sons. 
through his people. But we're to understand that we live in a fallen world that's under the influence of the enemy, but we are to live in truth. We're to live in the truth, to not be affected by the, 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 the spirit of the age, to not be affected by, the, by what the enemy has to say, the lies and the deceit that comes from the enemy. We're to stay and lay hold of the truth of who we are, of who God is, and of what God is doing in this world. And he makes this statement at the end, but be on your guard, my dear children, against every false idol. Sign out. That's how he finishes his letter. It's a really interesting statement that he makes there. Be on your guard, my dear children, against every false idol. Does he think that they're all going to start, I don't know, embracing Hinduism? Does he think maybe they're going to get involved in some Roman pantheism and start to worship some Roman gods, or all of a sudden they're going to start worshiping Zeus or some other random gods? No, I don't believe that's what he's saying at all. I believe he's saying this, don't make God in your image. That's what an idol is. An idol is a God made in man's image. Essentially, he's saying this, don't create for yourself a false God. When we don't know the truth about who God is, and we begin to make God in our image based on what we think, how we feel, what our experiences are, what's happening around us, then we create a false God. But God, guess what? We don't get to define God. We don't make God in our image. He's made us in his image. And what God wants for us to do is to know who he is, to know the truth, to know his love, and to understand he's made us in his image. We don't get to define God. He defines himself perfectly well, and he defines who we are as well. And I believe that's what John is challenging them on. Make sure you really know this God. Make sure you know this Jesus. Know who he is. Don't create in your own mind, your own heart, a false God by your own by, by wrong thinking or wrong emotions. And the rest is in the New Living Translation. So Second John, there are two letters. I'm going to read through them and then we'll just unpick some things from here. Greetings. This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth, because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you've heard from the beginning. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who even encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink. For I hope to visit you soon and talk to you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. 
Greetings from the children of your sister, chosen by God. That's 2nd John and then 3rd John. Greetings. This is a letter from John the Elder. I'm writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you're as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they're strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue to providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to write it with pen and ink. For I hope to see you soon, and then we'll talk face to face. Peace be with you. Your friends here send you their greetings. Please give my personal greetings to each of our friends there. Two personal letters. Who's the first letter written to? Second John is written to a, a lady, the chosen lady. The second letter is written to who? A man called Gaius. So the first is written to a lady, the second is written to a man. But in both letters, John introduces himself as the elder. That word is presbyter. It means mature in the faith. An an elder in age maturity. Somebody who they can trust because he knows the Lord and he knows the faith. And he writes with great warmth and affection and speaks very much about his appreciation for them. Um, And the emphasis in both of his letters are these two things, truth and love. And in these two short epistles, truth is mentioned 12 times, six times in each. And he talks about, um, he uses this phrase, you whom I love in the truth. And then this exhortation to live according to the truth. And then the first letter, well both letters actually are concerning teachers coming into the church, aren't they? The first one is about teachers who are coming into the church and teaching deception. They're anti-Christ. And he's saying to the lady, don't have anything to do with them. Guard the truth. Don't even encourage them. I think it says, don't even say good day to them in the message. Essentially, have nothing to do with these men who were deceiving the church. What is John saying? He's saying, you're faithful in love. You're faithful in hospitality. You're faithful in expressing love. But I want you to be really careful that you guard the truth. There's to be with you a fullness of love, yes, but also a fullness of truth. And then he writes to Gaius. 
And again, it's about traveling teachers. But this time, the traveling teachers are endorsed by John because they're, they're teaching and preaching the truth. But there's this guy in the church, a man called Diotrephes, who's completely, well, up himself. He just wants to be in charge. He wants to be the leader. And he's refusing to allow these teachers to come into the church. And he's denying them hospitality and care when actually they're serving God and they're doing God's will. And so there's this recognition of the truth that they're guarding, but there's a lack of expression of love. And they're to show this love by being hospitable to these traveling ministers of the gospel. Can you see the contrast? The first one, lots of love, but needing to up the guarding of truth. The second one, plenty of truth, but let's see more love. That both of those things are needed to be expressed in the church for us to know the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of God. And at the time, there's this battle around the truth. And you know what? There always will be a battle for the truth. The enemy wants to lie, to deceive, to con, to twist, to do anything he can to rob the peop- uh, any, anyone in humanity of the truth of who God is. There's a, it's a battleground. And then it was a battleground around the deity of Christ. Now, in postmodernism, there's another battle that's going on for the truth and a definition of what is truth and what is love. Somebody once said, never marry a tennis player. Love means nothing to them. (laughs) But can you see, it's all about the definition of what love is. It's all about the definition of what love is that makes that joke work. And we need to be clear on what is true and what is love and that God defines it, not our postmodern culture. Because we live in an age where truth is now relative. We live in in an age where truth is not absolute. Your truth is yours. It's personal. Find your truth and own it. Just come on. It's all relative. It's transient. You're to tell your truth. You're to own your truth. Let others have their truth. And if you disagree with what somebody else believes, then you're described as intolerant. If you disagree with what they're doing, or you, you, you challenge their beliefs, or you challenge their behavior, you're imposing your truth, and that is offensive. That's the age that we live in. So now we live in an age where there are no absolutes, other than the absolute that there are no absolutes. We live in an age where there's no truth, other than the truth that there is no truth. Can you see that this just doesn't add up? That that a tolerance is shown to everybody except for anyone who dare disagree and therefore potentially offend another person. That person is to be treated with complete intolerance. And so modern truth is relative, it's varied, experiential, and modern love is blind acceptance without any potential challenge or questioning of another person's truth. To be loving is just to accept no matter what. That's the modern definition of truth, the modern definition of love. There was a recent um, quote that came out, uh, particularly during the, the, kind of the, 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 the gay pride season where there was a lot, lot of marches going on in the summertime, and, and this phrase came out, love is love. This new definition that love is love. As long as you love somebody else, then that's love. And I read that and I thought, I appreciate what you're trying to say, but actually, do you know what? The answer to this is, and the definition is, God is love. Therefore, love doesn't get to define itself. Only God gets to define what love is. 
God defines what love is and God defines what truth is. I don't get to define it. I don't get to come up with my own ideas and opinions. I have to go to him. I don't get to define love. God does. I don't get to define how God feels about me. It's not based on how I feel or what I've experienced or what I'm, I'm going through. He's chosen to love me. He's chosen to love you. I don't get to choose who he saves and adds into my, into my church family. He does. And I accept that. And I, and I express a love towards you that is peculiar. It's different. It's exceptional. Because we're part of the same church family. I don't get to define what truth is. He does. There's an American comedian, Christian comedian called Brad Stein. He says, if the truth conflicts with my beliefs, I change my beliefs. It's as simple as that. What I believe about God, what I believe about myself, what I believe about my church family, what I believe about the world, if they're not right, then the truth has to come and I listen to the truth and it changes what I believe. We rely far too much on our natural understanding on our limited perspective and insight, on our feelings, on our experiences, and our view of God, of ourselves, of others, and we make God in our image. We're not to make false idols. We're not to make a false God. We're only to know him as he's revealed himself to us through his word, through his spirit, through his son. Then we get to see what God is because he defines himself to us. And he also says this, I've made you in my image. Made you in my image. So what does God say about love? Well, we know that God's love, we've said it many times, is this word agape. It's, it's this unconditional, sacrificial, unearned, undeserved, faithful, decisional favor and love that God has for us. And love is way more than an emotional pull or appreciation. And if you want to know God's love, then go to him. 1 John 4, 7 says, love comes from God. That if we want to know this agape love, then we have to go to him. In the nicest possible way, that means probably not, you don't need to go to another person. You don't need to go to counseling sessions. You don't need to go anywhere other than to go to the source of that love, God himself. And when we draw on him, he's so ready to come and, and reveal his love to us by his Holy Spirit. And this word truth is, is actually objective truth describing the notions of God. The notions of God. What God thinks, what God knows. This certainty, and, and this word comes from the root of a desire to know truth, to really understand truth, and that that truth brings revelation and integrity and honesty. Truth is more than what we just know. It's also the light of God in us, that he reveals things to us. He leads us. Paul prays, doesn't he? I pray that you would have spiritual wisdom and insight to know God's love, to come into truth, for the light of God to break into our lives. Human truth is relative and transient. God's truth is definitive and eternal. And I just want to encourage us this morning that in everything that we do, we lay hold fully of God's love and God's truth. Because I want to say this this morning, love is good and truth is good. Sometimes we think like love is the good cop and truth is the bad cop. Now, love is the medicine, and truth is the spoonful of sugar. <laughs> but actually, what the Word tells us is God's truth is good. Because God's truth leads to freedom. 
Jesus says this. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth doesn't bind us. The truth frees us. That doesn't mean I'm free to do what I please, but it means I'm free to do what pleases God. That's real freedom. And then that freedom enables us to love others. So Galatians 13 to 14 says, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, listen to this, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Can we see how we need a fullness of love and a fullness of truth? It's like love is the envelope and truth is the letter. I've got here, uh, um, I'm going to pop this in the post to Richard Pemberton. Uh, there's his address, and as you can see, there's a, there's a stamp there. But, but love is an envelope. Love prepares the way for truth. If there's no address on here, there's no point of delivery. It's not personal. It doesn't really mean anything. And guess what? I've paid something for this to go. It's sacrificial. It's cost me something. Love does that. It's sacrificial. It's personal. It's direct. And it's sealed with a loving kiss. There's a lot of people in this room who may have never sent a letter like this before. This was a thing a while ago, kids, okay? Just so you know. But you know what? If, if, it's, if, if all I have is love and there's no truth, there's something that's a little bit empty about it. And that when he gets to rich and he opens it and he, and he receives it and he sees the kiss and he sees the price and he sees that it's come to him personally, love has opened the way for truth to come. And then he opens it, and there's actually something inside. There's a substance that in there will make a difference for him. That might challenge him or encourage him. But it just says, dear Rich, because he is dear to me. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. It's just, I just see his kindness, and I think, I, I love the way that Rich supports and helps others, and I want it to always be a joy to him. And if there's ever a time when expressing that care and that kindness feels like a burden, to go back to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to give him that gladness and that joy to express that kindness. That's all I wanted to say to Richard this morning. I love how I see it, and I just pray that you'll know a real gladness as you do it. Here's the truth. Can you see how love makes the way for truth? That's how we express truth to one another. That's why it's so important that it's a fullness of love and a fullness of truth and there's this perfect marriage between the two that makes one. It's like a marriage. You know, a marriage isn't half of a man and half of a woman that become one, praise God. But it's a full man and a full woman make one new person in Christ. There's a fullness in that too that's complementary and it's united. That without Sarah, I'm incomplete and without me, Sarah's incomplete. I'm more incomplete without her, but that, but that doesn't matter. But that together there's a unity, a complementarity, and a togetherness that makes us stronger together than if we were by ourselves. And with truth and love, those two things are to come together in their fullness. And if love makes a way for truth, then I believe God wants our, the truth that we have to lead to love. Paul writes in, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, he says, The purpose of my instruction... This is why I instructed you. This is why I brought you the truth. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a genuine faith. 
Aren't those three great things? A pure heart, a clean conscience, and a genuine faith. You know, when we know the truth, we'll love God, we'll love ourselves, we'll love others, and we'll want to bring truth so that love is released, so that love is created, love is enabled. 1 John 5, 2 to 3 says, we know we love God's children if we love God and keep his commandments. There's the truth. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, when we know the truth and God's commandments, we express love in the right way. Truth leads to love, and as I've already said, love leads to truth. In 2 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul, Paul is wonderfully honest in his writings and in his letters. And if you know those two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with a whole lot of issues in the church. It's a very charismatic church. There's lots of life in the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, but there's a lot of problems in there as well in how they're treating one another, um, how they're suing one another, how there's um, sexual immorality in the church that they're overlooking, how there's drunkenness around breaking bread. Can you imagine that? That's not why we use grape juice, by the way. We do trust you. But... Uh, <laughs> But there's all sorts of issues. And then it seems like nothing's really changed. And so Paul writes a letter after that one that isn't in our Bibles. 2 Corinthians is the letter that comes after this letter that we don't get to read. But Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 2 as a sorrowful letter. A letter that he found really difficult to write. And 2 Corinthians 2 4 says, I wrote that letter in great anguish. Listen to this, with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. Paul wrote that letter knowing that in bringing truth it might be hurtful, but the love inside him to write it compelled him to follow it through. Rather than just to leave them to their own devices, think, oh, well, somebody else will pick up the mess. Paul's like, I have to address this. I have to bring truth, but, but I really wish I didn't have to. But love compels me to speak the truth to you. And, you know, in our relationship with one another, I've, I've known friends, who, in, particularly kind of zealous young friends growing up in the youth, they love to tell the truth. They love to challenge. Plenty of challenges. But I knew that it didn't come from a loving heart. It came from a legalistic perspective. It came out of frustration, annoyance, a little bit of one-upmanship. You know, if truth comes, it might be completely true. But if it comes in that context... It's clanging, it's clashing. I don't want to have anything to do. It's never going to hit the mark. That's why the envelope matters. Otherwise, you're just throwing a letter into the wind. But when I know somebody loves me and then they bring that truth, I've valued that so many times in my life and I've known it's not been easy to do that. But love shapes how we speak the truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, we will speak the truth in love, growing ever more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. When you read that, it doesn't mean somebody talks to you in a very gentle way. I'm going to speak the truth to you in love now. But actually, the, the heart with which they speak the truth, you just know they love you. They're for you. They may even come to you trembling because they're a bit scared about how you're going to react. Does anybody here like conflict? I'm going to suggest the vast majority of us don't. And sometimes I've withheld bringing truth because I'm afraid of what a person might think. But actually, God said, no, if you love them, then you'll bring this truth to them and you'll do it in a loving way. I think the vast majority of us, we'd withhold the truth because we don't want to offend or upset anybody. But here's the thing, that's a postmodern mindset. 
The truth is helpful and it's powerful and it always works when it's brought with love. Application is key. Proverbs 27, 9, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Isn't perfume great? Isn't it lovely? As long as you apply it in the right places and it's applied in the right way. Does anybody have perfume in the eye? You know when you go and put on your eau de toilette or whatever and you accidentally kind of squirt it in your eye or in your mouth? Oh. You know, it's still perfume, but now it's really not having the right effect. And again, truth is like perfume. Just make sure that we're applying it in the right way, delivering it in the right way. This example that we, that we set in, in truth and love. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive. Let them be seasoned with salt. And here's the thing. When we express our love and truth to one another, if brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch of yourself lest you be tempted. That's Galatians 6.1. As we express that life to one another, the world will see that we're different. That we live in love and we live in truth. It becomes a revelation to the world that God is real and that Jesus is alive. That's, Jesus, that's what Jesus says in his prayer in John 17. If you love one another, the world will know. If we express this life together, the world will know. And just one thing I want to say in closing before we, we respond. I do believe God wants the world to experience and know the truth of God. But I believe that they'll never know the truth without experiencing his love. Far too often, the church has been guilty of speaking the truth and withholding love to the world. But actually, as we love the world, we create a means where then we can speak the truth. We must never expect non-Christians to behave like Christians before they're saved. (laughs) The world will always be sinful. People will always be sinful until they're born again. Therefore, sometimes to confront people with the truth in the way that we might do with our Christian brothers and sisters, we should have different expectations. If you're born again, I should have a different expectation in, your, in my ability to bring the truth to you in love. But to the world, let's not confront them with the truth. Let's firstly embrace them with God's love and then bring the truth. That's God's heart for us. And it can only happen. These things can only happen. This balance can only be struck and continue to be struck. You know, there's a, this isn't a one-off thing. This is a constant, Lord, we need your help to express a fullness of love and a fullness of truth. Because we'll feel differently in different days. <laughs> Some days we might have a bit more truth. Other days we might feel a bit more love. We might feel differently towards different people. We might have more love for some people than others. But God wants us to be as consistent as we possibly can. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us with that. But firstly, it starts with what we believe to be true about God. What we believe to be true about ourselves and what we believe to be true about others. God wants, us, wants to help us with that this morning, I believe. That we truly know who God is, who I am in his eyes, and who my Christian brothers and sisters are. And I'd like to ask, Stefan, if you just come and bring a word that I think will be a helpful way for us to, to finish in that. Tuesday, early hours of the morning, um, the Lord woke me up and gave me a little bit of a video. I, I didn't know who was going to speak today. Um, I didn't know what, the, what uh, Richard was going to speak on uh, at that time. And I, I, just, I got a video of this building, 
and, and this bin. Are you laughing at me, Sue? <laughs> and what we were doing, we were bringing our trash and putting the trash into the bin. But we were also, we were walking away with truth, from the knowledge of truth. And then that bin was going to go out of that fire door once and for all. And I think there needs to be a response to this word. I really believe God wants to release mm. Zoe life Amen. in us. Mm. And uh, it's amazing, isn't, isn't it? When, Jesus, when God said, let there be light on the first day, there was no sun. Mm. But he was saying, let there be light. There was something... We know that Jesus is light, God is light, and God was releasing something within himself. He was saying, let there be light, or light be. And I believe we need to, as we come up and put trash into here, I'll explain that in a minute, we're going to speak, we're going to release the Zoe life that God is putting us. We're not actually going to ask God for anything, because He's, he's already done the wonderful work in this. We yes. already have eternal life and the Zoe life within yeah, us. Right. But like God, it needs to be released by speech. And I, and I think there's three categories of, 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 of people that need to come put trash in here, physically put trash in here. I'm going to put trash in here, by the way. Some of us are believing the wrong things about ourselves. Sometimes we can entertain thoughts like, I'm not going to make it. Yeah? I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm of very little value. Mm. That's all not the truth. That's right. Absolutely right. The truth is that we are born again mm -hmm. and loved by God. That's right. And he's given us the right to become right. sons and daughters of the living right. God. That's right. We are of immense value. Hallelujah. And the other thing is, like, as Richard said, lies about God. Mm. He, has a moody, he has moods. <laughs> he, he doesn't like me today. I lost my temper and that's it. Mm. Or I've made such a mistake, it's going to take time for God to forgive me on this one. Mm. It's not the truth, is That's it? Right, no. It's like Richard was saying, God defines himself, and God is love. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You know what? As we wake up every morning, great is his faithfulness. Yes, that's right. In this season, yeah. We have a future and a hope, yes, that's a right. glorious future. Hallelujah. That's right. And the other thing is um, wrong thinking about one another. And these can creep in. Mm. Little suspicions. Um, they're judging me. I can't, I can't keep up with them. I'm not as good as them. I've never reached their standard. It's all lies. Mm. That's right. We're in the body of Christ. That's right. Yes, we We're are. We're a God. 
God, this is God's house. God is a God of love yes, and kindness. Amen. And everybody is special. Mm. Every child Amen. is special. Everyone is special. And we're all members of the body of Christ in particular. You are of immense yes. value Amen. and you cannot be replaced. Amen. And this is the truth. So as we come up and put the rubbish in there, let the Holy Spirit bring his truth to your mind and confess it as you move away. If you feel that physically you cannot come up here, we'll bring the bin to you. But there's going to be exchange and a release of Zoe life this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.